Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. All connected. Everything. So I was really hoping that Corey Stahl would show up in the strain wig. <laughs> but uh he went with the uh he went with the chrome dome, which no, you know, I'm a I'm a almost a chrome dome guy myself, so that's fine. But uh, for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, watch the strain on FX, which you should watch it for two reasons. Number one, it's a damn good vampire action show like a like a guilty pleasure type deal i would say would you agree oh yeah yes i would it's kind of like the walking dead only stuff happens yes and uh cory stall wears a terrible wig a terrible wig (laughs) and it's probably more terrible because we know he's bald i think that's where it comes from yeah you see him in obviously stuff like ant-man you see him in house of cards and you're just like oh there he has a full head of hair (laughs) yeah and and part of it is you know all right we're going wig and they don't go like traditional uh short haircut wig they go for like a little floppy thing like it's got a little length to it and it's like parted in the middle like those guys that won't let go of like their 80s haircut or their early 90s haircut and it's got like the receding hairline too, so it's it's really funny because it's 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 like it's like a, a wig of a guy that's you know is losing his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. can't pull off a really great head of hair for you because everybody knows you're bald. So we're gonna go with this half-ass wig. <laughs> Ugh. But we don't talk about hair. Uh, we talk about Marvel, and this is it's all connected. Episode sixty-nine, dude. And it's, Indeed. It's the Ant-Man Show, and I am John, and I have with me, as always, Russell. Evening. And we are fired up. We're jacked up to talk about Ant-Man. And uh, we rang the bell and rallied the troops, and, and Russ and I answered. <laughs> yes. So here we are, and uh, man, I'm psyched. I, I, You know, this was a movie, if anybody that's been listening to us for a while kind of knows that me, at least, was a little worried about this one. You know, directorial problems early on, and we lost Edgar Wright, and not a lot of hype, and not a lot of Marvel press, um, which they certainly cranked up for the last couple of weeks before release. And uh, it worked out really well. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. I I think, if anything, this may suffer from just being too close to Age of Ultron. You know, I still think that maybe they should have made this an August release. Uh, you know, especially after last year, Guardians of the Galaxy did so good. They didn't really, there wasn't a lot of stiff competition left in August. So, you know, I think maybe it would have had a little more room to breathe. But, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm hoping that word of mouth, uh, you know, kind of c- keeps it from falling off too much. And it's got a couple weeks before uh, Mission Impossible uh Rogue Nation comes out, so it's got a little, little bit of room, you know, breathing room, and you know, the the I think the word of mouth has been pretty positive overall. 
Yeah, and I don't think there's any indication that it's going to be a bad opening for Ant-Man. I think maybe a little, it sounds like five million-ish lower than they wanted, like maybe. Yeah. And, and you'll, I know you'll do the numbers and everything, so I won't, I won't step on that. But speaking of Rogue Nation, did you get the little behind-the-scenes preview of Rogue Nation before Ant-Man? No, I didn't, and it's funny because I saw I actually saw it in IMAX 3D, so that was kind of funny. I didn't see that. It was, I'm going to say, a four-minute vignette of Tom Cruise doing the airplane stunt. Oh, nice. Um, which to me is, is amazing. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, the guy does his own stunts, and it's another thing to strap him to the outside of an airplane that's actually taking off. Yeah, yeah, I mean... In the last one, he went to the top of what is it, the the Burj Khalif, the the big top tower in uh, Dubai, I believe. Dubai, yeah, which is insane. So, uh, you know, to go from that to this, uh, you know, say what you want about Tom Cruise, like him, love him, you know, hate him, whatever. Uh, the guy knows how to commit to putting out good product. Yeah, I agree. I. Uh... I don't love all of his stuff or all of his antics, but I love Mission Impossible. I love uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I thought it was awesome. Minority Report. One of my yeah. Minority Report. I think is about one of my favorite Spielberg movies. I mean, like maybe top five or top six Spielberg movies. So, and they're making it a TV show. I don't know about that. Oof. Is it a, is I, it a show or is it like a mini series event type thing? It's a TV series. Uh, so. It's one of the twins. The story is one of the twins starts having, I guess, visions or whatever, and he works. I feel like the they're, I'm sorry. I feel like they're triplets. Are there three in the movie? There were a set of twins, and then the sister oh, okay. was sorry. was older. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of the twins, and then I don't think they have Samantha Morton come back and play the older sister. There's another actress, but basically she's in it as well to kind of chastise the brother for, uh, you know, for for still trying to do the whole, you know, predict the murder thing. And I guess he works with a cop kind of off the books on trying to solve these murders or prevent them or whatever. But I, I, I saw like an extended trailer, not, not to get too far off topic, but I saw like an extended trailer of it and it, it didn't look really good. The act, the, the acting team didn't really seem to gel with me. And I, I just got a real, um, almost human vibe out of, uh, out of this, not so much of of quality because I really, really enjoyed Almost Human, but just in the fact that yeah, this is probably going to get maybe a thirteen episode season, and that's probably all we're going to see. One last Minority Report thing: I, I love the movie also, uh, and there's one part of the movie that freaks me out ever since I saw it the first time, and I don't know why. It's just like a pet peeve type thing or whatever. It makes my skin crawl when they uh, replace his eyeballs. For the retinal yeah. scanners, that's not the part that bothers me, Russ. The part that bothers me is when he grabs the wrong sandwich and the rotten milk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That just yeah. freak that freaks me out. Like that he was starving, you know. You don't know what you're grabbing, and he grabs like, you know, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so Ant Man, um, I saw it Thursday night. At 7 o'clock, which was pretty lucky. I don't think it was available that early, you know, everywhere on Thursday. Um, I think you mentioned that you had to go to like a 10.30, which, you know, that's just not happening for me anymore. Yeah, only, I yeah, it was like 9.45, only because my son couldn't go at 7 um, because his kids had swimming lessons, my grandkids had swimming lessons, 
so they were going to be tied up late. And the theater we were going to to get the poster, which I'll get to that story in a minute, uh, was a little further away. So 7 o'clock wasn't going to happen, so we ended up going 9.45. Yeah, I uh, I caught a 7, and, and you said IMAX 3D, which is awesome. Uh, for the 7 or 7.30, whatever it was that I went to, uh, it was a regular screening. And um, I took my daughter, who uh, my older daughter, who is 13, does not care about Marvel movies Saw, saw Guardians of the Galaxy, enjoyed that, so I figured this would be a nice, uh, this should work out as well. And the first thing she said walking out was, I didn't think it would be that funny. So, awesome, you know, plus one for Marvel, because I think that's a demographic that they're going for, you know? Sure. Like family comedy, you don't need to be a superhero geek necessarily, or, or whatever. So, what are the numbers looking like? It looks like it's going to do fifty-eight million for the weekend, which they were hoping for between sixty and sixty-five. But they also thought that like Minions would be closer to six uh, to like fifty-five or fifty-eight. And Minions, it looks like it's going to be fifty. Uh, Trainwreck is doing, I think, twelve or thirteen, which is about what they thought. So it, it's a little under what they estimated. But I think this weekend in general, the box office was a little under what what all the estimates were. So. Um, so not, not bad. I mean, it, it it puts it below, you know, kind of Thor, Captain America, first opening weekend range, but not by much. Uh, and like I said, it's got a little bit of breathing room towards the end of the summer here that I think it, it could have some legs. I, I uh, want to mention that Trainwreck was a real threat. Amy Schumer has exploded onto the scene. Like, all of a sudden, she's everywhere. And it's mostly because of the hype train for this movie, but... Yeah. And I know now Amy Schumer's from Long Island, so and I'm from Long Island for if I haven't mentioned that, or you can't tell by my voice. Um so maybe it was a little more overblown in my area, but I know of like three couples that went to a movie this weekend and the guy wanted to see Ant Man and the girl insisted on train wreck. So <laughs> I can see that happening to some scale all over the country. Yeah, it it actually I need to correct myself. It pulled in 30 million this weekend, which they were thinking about 2021. 20, so it actually considerably overperformed. And I think a lot of it has to do uh with the the scores like Rotten Tomato it it had like a huge uh rating on it, you know, just like ni- high 90s for a long time. Uh and it's got like an A minus cinema score, so it's funny to see like a raunchy comedy get such a high uh, you know, high rating score, you know, even from the critics, but, uh, but it definitely did. And, and the word is that it was, it was toned down for Amy Schumer. So probably sure. not as raunchy <laughs> as we're, th- yeah, well, that's a lot of room to work with, but, uh, probably not as raunchy as we're thinking, but still, you know, listen, the summer season is all about popcorn action flicks and, you know, when the ladies get a chance to have a, you know, romantic comedy or, uh, you know, something a little different to go to, you know, I could see a lot of people taking up that opportunity. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, opening weekend for Captain America, the first Avenger was 65 um, and Thor was. And that's kind of what they're comparing it to, like first nods in, in the franchise. Uh, opening weekend for Thor was 65 as well. So 
you know, again, because more 3D, more inflation and everything else for it to do 55, it's it's quite a bit under. But granted, Thor and Captain America are much more recognizable characters. I mean, Ant-Man's not exactly, even though he's been an Avenger since day one in the comics, not really that widely known, you know, amongst the you know general population. Sure. And just to, uh, I'm not hoping by any means that this will be a Guardians of the Galaxy size hit, but just to compare, what did Guardians open at? 95. Wow. Okay. So, um, and Guardians had late legs, but it's still, because I'm hoping Ant-Man has late legs, but it still is way behind the eight ball in terms of making that kind of money. Yeah. Three-day total for Guardians is 94.3. Three-day total for Ant-Man is 58. So, yeah, we're, we're talking almost, you know, like Guardians did like 80% more than, than Ant-Man. So, I think word of mouth will do it well. I really do. I really do. I mean, I haven't, you know, just looking on the internet, just talking to, you know, people, I haven't run across anybody that was just like, oh my God, that was terrible or, oh, it was okay. I think most people are like, you know, pretty positive on it. And I think the humor had a lot to do with it. Uh, and I think a couple of surprises that we'll talk to, we'll talk about, uh, had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, definitely. And maybe at, at this point we will enter full spoiler territory for Ant-Man so if you have not seen it, you may want to queue up this podcast for a future date. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think Russ and I have decided that we're going to skip over any news or, or any of that uh, Marvel stuff for this recording. And we're probably going to go into Ant-Man you know, pretty well in depth. And then we'll get back next time with some things that have been going on in the universe. Which it's probably been quiet, I would say, with uh, everything's been focused on Ant-Man for... A solid week at this point yeah i mean m- most of the quote-unquote news has been pretty low-key you know so there's there's really not been much to to talk about a few things but but nothing you know nothing earth-shattering nothing that can't wait so do we want to start with the cold open maybe i guess that's a good place as any i know you probably have yeah. notes and i'm stepping all over the place but uh actually i don't i don't have any notes Ooh. flying by the seat of her pants i like it so the cold open, um, you know, I have like my memory, if, if it's not like baseball or, you know, I don't know, a few other things, probably my memory is like bad. And I forgot that Peggy Carter was going to be in this at all. If we knew for a fact that she was, we did. Okay. Well, I forgot. And it was a lovely surprise. Uh, yeah. I wish, I wish I had forgotten and, and could have. Uh, felt that lovely surprise as well because yeah it was really I really 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 liked the cold open I mean I love John Slattery I mean that seeing him in anything is 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 good and uh, it, it's funny because his Howard Stark is so much like Roger Sterling from Mad Men they they almost could be the same person uh, it's on my to watch list yeah it's if he he ba- if he would have had a drink in his hand while he was. Uh, in a cigarette, and the other while he was giving his dialogue, you would have sworn it was it was it was uh, Roger Sterling. And and I can't believe in a, in a day and age where they have the technology to make us believe that Michael Douglas is forty years younger or whatever they went for, which I thought I, I thought I thought that went well enough. How do they not have old people makeup that works? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, this is and this is not a Marvel thing. You know, no, this no. is this goes through Hollywood. Old people makeup is lacking. 
you know, I guess it's easier to smooth out, but not so easy to add wrinkles and, and, you know, age spots and things like that, where it just doesn't look like it's overdone. Right. Well, I mean, one is CGI and the other is practical, right? I mean, well, it's funny because the Haley Atwell stuff in Winter Soldier was CGI. They made her old. Yeah. That was normal looking Peggy Carter laying in the bed and it was CGI overlay to make her look older. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, like, young Arnold in Terminator Genesis was, like, the highlight of the entire film. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, I thought the Michael Douglas young effect worked fine in this opening scene. It's come a long way for sure. And I think part of what works, like, with the Arnold thing in Genesis was he didn't really speak that much. And I think the less you move the mouth and the face, the easier it is to pull it off. I won't say it was perfect with Michael Douglas, but it was way better than young Jeff Bridges from from Tron uh, from Tron Legacy. Right. And it was actually like, like I said, it was there was a few times where you look at it and you're like, wow, that's a little off. But for the most part, I was like, wow, that a I didn't know they were going to do it. So that was cool. Uh, and and I think they actually pulled it off pretty well. I was really impressed with with how uh, it looked like 1989 Michael Douglas. Yeah, no, that was good, and uh, I like the cold open concept, and then going to the, you know, fanfare, and uh, it looks like another new. I think the three D Marvel was there for Ultron. You know, the logo that with the page yeah. turning. I think that was the same as Ultron, and they didn't go with the fanfare music. No, that's what I thought was interesting because you know we got the, like the revised fanfare when they did Thor: The Dark World, and we got the same. It was pretty much, it was maybe a little different with Captain America Winter Soldier. And then they did like the Avengers version of that theme with with Age of Ultron. So I thought that was going to be like the new fanfare. And then when they went into straight into that uh, like Latin style music uh, that they, you know, for the for the cold open right into the prison. Uh, so maybe they're just not like there is no Marvel fanfare, you know, quote unquote, that they're just going to do what they feel like doing based on the movie that, you know, the, the, the graphic is the same, but, but the, the music, I guess they're just not tied to. Yeah. And not as much as guardians of the galaxy, but this movie used music, um, a little differently than most other Marvel movies. You know, if you paid attention, you know, uh, it's a small world was whistled. (laughs) Yes. You know, um, I can't, I'm terrible at recalling things off the top of my head, but I know that like there were songs that sort of fit the moment in this movie. They weren't just like background score. They were actually songs that, you know, um, sort of conveyed what was going on at the time. And it almost even sounded like a take on the mission impossible theme, like during the heist. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of cool, you know, when they flash back to, to the beginning, it was kind of neat to see, A, it was kind of, so we go all the way back to 1989, we had the old S.H.I.E.L.D. logo, so S.H.I.E.L.D. was still, like, looking like the old logo, um, and it was interesting how they kind of, I thought it was cool how they wedged in the Ant-Man, you know, that, that you know, he kind of kept the form, you know, he made a point of saying how he was keeping the formula to himself. They made him suspicious of S.H.I.E.L.D., like even back then before, you know, obviously before it, it became known that, you know, it was tied to Hydra. But he was very guarded and very concerned of what might happen, uh, you know, if his if his formula got out. And obviously it, it was after, uh, you know, Janet, you, you, we find out what happened with her. So he was obviously, uh, you know, a little angry, probably. 
Um, it's funny but, but when, again, when he held up the vial of the, uh, I guess you would call it the pin particles, right? Yep. Um, yep. I thought it was Captain America's blood at first. Yes, because it was red. Yeah, yeah, and you know Peggy yeah. was there, and that would affect her, and, and it's kind of like fresh in our minds from the end of uh, Agent Carter. Um, so I thought they were gonna. I, I thought it was gonna come out that they were synthesizing more cat blood or working on that super soldier formula or whatever, something along those lines. Yeah, and they 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 didn't go go that way. They just went full on, you know, pin particles. So I thought that was cool, and then you know we see a little later on in the movie we see the footage, like that archival footage, of you know, you know test footage of the of you know him using it throughout you know throughout time and um, you know the black and white footage and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so it, it 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 almost like it opens up if they ever decided they wanted to go back, like I don't know, do like an early '80s or late '70s period piece. Uh, movie with those characters they could they they could certainly do it yeah you know like cold war espionage thriller that might be kind of interesting you know to do that with with that character that would be cool and what'd you think of uh evangeline lily what'd you think of her hope hope van dyne i was pleasantly surprised i thought uh i thought she did a good job um f- you know for what they gave her to do i guess there were some Scenes that were a little bit awkward. I had a little trouble with Hope and Darren Cross being so whiny. Yeah. And not even the fact that they were whiny. I guess just how it was delivered. Like, it was a little too pouty and, you know, my daddy doesn't love me. And that's what it boiled down to for both of them, really. Even, you know, obviously Pim isn't Cross's father, but it's the same kind of father issue you know why doesn't he love me type thing yeah i think if anything suffered in this movie it was kind of the motivations behind those two like if anything kind of got short shrifted it was you never really got a relationship development between hope and darren as you know the two of them kind of having i mean obviously she was double crossing cross no pun intended um, and then, you know, Darren kind of having this animosity towards Hank, but we never really got like you kind of get the gist of why it was, but you never like they didn't give us enough to work with to really feel invested in in either of those relationships. Right. You know what I mean? It was it was just like you feel like, oh, OK, sure. You know, that makes sense. I, I totally agree. I mean, they kind of this isn't a word that I'm about to use, but they exposition those things in. Yes. Like we got yes. really quick explanations as to why Darren has a problem uh, with 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 Pim and why Hope has a problem with her father. You know, it was in like in the in conversations they just sort of well, he never told me the truth about the formula and I figured it out and now I hate him. You know, oh oh, and I'm also possibly going crazy from using the technology. You know, they added that, but they never really showed him as crazy. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, and that was the I guess the other criticism. You know. It's funny when we always talk about these movies because we we tend to talk about the problems, um, and it makes it sound like we're bashing on the movie, um, which isn't the case. But I, I I think it's I think it's unfair to not have honest discussions about you know the the problems that we have even with a really great movie. Uh, so so if for those of you listening, don't take this as we're just bashing it left and right. Um, but I never you know the whole thing with with Cross was 
why he was kind of maniacal was was the effect of the pin of not the pin particles but the particles he created but yet most of the movie they said we can't use it on human subjects yet because of what it did to the sheep so it almost was like oh by the time they perfected it and then immediately he was like crazy insane and it and it was just like wait a minute they're like not enough time had passed for him to have used it enough i would think for it to start affecting him the way that it did it's it's almost like he was kind of half mad crazy before he even used the experiment you know the particles on himself yeah and and again it unfortunately this is kind of a running theme with the marvel cinematic universe with a few exceptions you know maybe loki you know i really liked whiplash but the villains it's hard to flesh out the villains when you're busy fleshing out the hero yeah yeah you know so real for the most part we've done all origin stories and uh it's hard to you know they're busy showing us um Scott Lang figuring out how to use the Ant-Man suit and you know finding out his deal they really don't have the time to work on Hope or or Darren Cross yeah and we you know we've talked about that before is the you know the villains quite quite aren't as I got a real Obadiah Stane vibe off of Darren Cross like playing buddy buddy but really not uh you know and behind the scenes you find out he's working with um you know with the ex shield agent that you know that now is is bad you know Martin Donovan's character of Car- Mitchell Carson and uh, you know, they even make a point of saying that, oh, they're, you know, they're basically ex-Hydra people that are now weapons brokers that I'm I'm dealing with. Uh, and I, like I said, I just got a real Obadiah stain because because, you know, Jeff Bridges kind of made that made that turn in the first Iron Man movie. And it went from he went from just kind of like, you know, buddy, buddy, you know, playing the almost like a mentor kind of like thing to to Tony Stark Uh to to being just insane crazy when he put that suit on right and and kind of the same thing here all they really did was reverse the roles in terms of the mentor and the yeah and the and the current you know the young guy they just reversed them so i heard a lot about michael pena stealing the movie beforehand and uh i can't say that i disagree (laughs) he no he definitely stole a lot of scenes He's a funny, like he has great delivery. Like he's just a funny guy, and it. I've seen him in other movies where, um, he he's got a pretty good range because he could play. Like I don't know if you saw End of Watch with uh with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. And he's, I mean, yeah, he kind of you know jokes and goofs a little bit here and there, but he's mostly you know plays a straight guy. And you know I've seen him in other movies where he he you know he could play the straight man, but when he kind of lays on the uh you know, almost like stereotypical, um, you know, caricature of a person kind of like East LA, you know, uh, you know, type, type of guy, you know, like almost like a Cheech Marin East LA kind of, kind of, uh, thing going on. He's really, really funny. <laughs> did you, um, did you get to the Eastbound and down episodes that he was a part of? Oh yeah. 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 Pretty much same character, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, really, uh, Really funny stuff. It's funny. I was watching um, the Marvel red carpet that they put on their YouTube channel, I guess, uh, for the premiere of the movie. And the girl who was conducting the interviews on the red carpet 
gets Michael Pena, and she starts off with like, you know, you're usually you've only done drama in your career. You know, how does it feel to switch gears? And I'm like, what is this lady talking about? Did she have him confused with somebody else? I, I I don't know. And he was really good about it. Like he didn't let on that. You know, he was just like, no, I love comedy. And but like he didn't go on and like list all the comedy that he's done to embarrass her or anything. But right, it it, it was so bad that like I checked his IMDb to make sure it was the same person that I know I saw in Eastbound and Down and. 30 Minutes or Less is another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much like his 30 Minutes or Less character. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's no newbie to the comedy scene. If anything, he's done less drama, probably. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, I just really... And the, the, the bit that worked the most, and this had to be a directing uh, decision, um, was when he would go into these crazy bits about how he got his information, and they would cut to all the people he talked to and they would mimic their voice, you know, yeah. he, they would basically mime it with his voice. I was, it was hysterical. Like I was dying. It, it was great. And that, uh, I actually read about that specifically and that was Peyton Reed. And when they brought in, uh, Paul Rudd to write, that wasn't part of the Edgar Wright original script. And it's funny because it, it's the reason I bring it up is it seems like an Edgar Wright thing to do. Exactly. And it's it's good. There, I was a little worried that his heist crew. I mean, it, it's you know Michael Pena and then Ti and um, that that other guy that uh, Kurt. I guess he's played by what is it, David Dasmalkian? I've seen him in other stuff, and I I couldn't think of right off what it um, what I'd seen him in uh, that that came to mind. But I was really concerned that those guys would almost be extreme caricatures, almost like uh, you know silly and. Uh, and they kind of flirted with that line and then pulled it back. Like those guys were just good enough to where um, they weren't. They weren't like I said, just caricatures of of like a robbery crew. Yeah, I agree. They, uh, I think, pulled back is a, is a good way. They introduced them and then it just kind of all happened organically after that. They didn't force any. You know, they didn't all have their scene where they get the job done in some goofy way. You know, right. it was pretty much Michael Pena got his scene of going in, you know, infiltrating the uh, the building and punching everybody out, which it's <laughs> yes. funny if you remember when when uh, when Scott Lang gets out of jail and Luis is there to pick him up. He talks about, oh, it's my goodbye present from, you know, the big guy in jail that was punching him right in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, and Luis says to him, I'm the only guy to knock him out. And that was yeah. like the little cue so that when he goes around knocking everybody out later, you could say, oh, yeah, he, he can punch. You know, we know that about him at least. Yeah. Yeah, so it was that, that was a, a pleasant surprise. I really hope if they end up doing a sequel to this that they don't, that they, they don't kind of make a joke out of it. You know, that was one of the criticisms I had with Thor The Dark World is when they brought back Kat Dennings and they brought back um, – Stellan Skarsgård as, as Dr. Selvig, they almost made him just too silly. And that, that irritates me. When you take characters, they, they were kind of silly in the first Thor, but they were serious enough to where they were just kind of like some mild comic relief. And they tried to totally amp that up for the sequel. And to me, that's where that movie fell flat. Um, 
So I hope if they do a sequel to this one, they 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 just keep it at this level. Yeah. What did you think of the effects? I thought you know all the ant stuff was really cool and the and the shrinking and everything. But I'm interested to hear your take. Um, did the 3D you know lend itself to any of that stuff in in a good way, or was it just kind of ho hum as we've been feeling about 3D? No, I I think this was a good 3D experience, much like Guardians. I think. I think because of the shrinking and they did a lot of things with perspective and things like that, it actually it actually worked pretty well. I was I was I wasn't blown away by the 3D, but I was fairly impressed by the 3D, much more so than with Age of Ultron or um, you know any of the other uh, movies other than Guardians. I, I still think the best 3D experience so far from a Marvel movie has been Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I think it just um, you know, just a lot of those things worked worked really well, but this is pretty close to that. Yeah, I thought the um, I, I guess we'll I don't know what you the microverse will call it, even though it's not really the microverse, but I'll just call it that when he's really sure. small and everything else is it's really big. Um, I thought that was really good, like him running in the bathtub with the water coming in and yeah, falling through the floor to the different levels of the building, you know, the dance club and stuff. Yeah, it, it's funny because that movie, you know, when you do something like that, if it wasn't for CGI, you'd basically have Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, you just fall into that, you know, syndrome where they're basically building everything large and, um, you know, making you, you know, just just think it's, you know, the person being shrunk when it's just they've just made big versions of everything else. With the whole CGI, the way they could texture things and the way they can, you know, manipulate the environment, it, it really it, it really comes off much better. Yeah, I enjoyed all of, of that stuff. I thought the ants were, were really good. Yeah, again, another surprise. Like, I just, you know, that's one of the things I think that would is a hard sell to people. It's like, well, the guy controls ants, and the first thing, you know, people want to do is just kind of chuckle. Uh, but but they kind of make a point in the movie of going through, okay, these are the different types of ants, and this is how he controls them, and, you know, this is what they can do. And they had the real cool scene in the, with Hope and, and Scott in the, in the car when he finally kind of gets it. And he has the ants lift up that penny and they start flipping it, you know, and it, and it starts spinning. Um, so I just I, I thought that was done. And then the way they kind of did the mounts on the, uh, you know, on the ants and, you know, everything being shrunk and, and stuff like, you know, just really cool. Uh, the tank, I kind of saw that coming a mile away, but the tank was pretty cool on his keychain. It was like, no, it's a real tank. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that, you know, just other just the, the like the explosives, you know, again, you shrink down the explosives, you, you put them in place and then make them bigger. Probably the only thing about the tank I didn't like was that it, like, jumped out of the second floor of the building or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and, and two, I, I I will say the the one thing I, you could say about the Marvel movies, I know, I was reading something somewhere and they said, oh, they, they're just formulaic. You know, they seem to kind of mold to this formula. Um, and, and, you know, the, the villains are kind of, you know, touted as, well, you know, the villains are always kind of weak and, you know, they're, they're, you know, hard to sympathize with or whatever. But while there's a Marvel way of doing these movies, I feel like a lot of them really and truly are very different. I mean, this was at its core, a heist film with superheroes in it. I mean, Captain America, the Winter Soldier was an espionage spy thriller and, you know, the first Avenger was a period piece and, you know, Thor, the dark world was, you know, kind of this fantasy type of thing. And guardians was this big sci-fi epic, uh, you know, kind of thing. I, I think they've really done a good job. I, I think this would have been the hardest one to differentiate. I mean, guardians, I think people were concerned about because 
these are unknown characters. It's a talking a raccoon and a walking tree. Um, and I think people were just kind of leery about it. But the one thing it had going for it was it was so different from everything else that had come uh, that worked to its advantage. I think the, the, the only thing I was worried about with Ant-Man is hard sell because it's another movie about a guy in a suit. And, you know, Marvel's already done three of those, you know, with Iron Man. And then, you know, you could kind of argue Captain America, you know, it's just a, a guy in a, in a costume with a shield. But um, but I think they did enough to, like I said, adding the humor elements as a, as a heavy component. And then just kind of, like I said, making this heist film. And not just like one heist, but multiple heists. I mean... You know, we had the where he steals the suit in the beginning, and then and then when they go into the building to to you know destroy everything. And I think what really speaks to your point about the movies being different. You know, we we ask each other and and our fans and followers and stuff on on social media. Usually after every movie comes out, you know, rank the movies. How do they how do they stand with you now? And the it's amazing how different everybody's list is because, yeah. you know, your thing might be the Star Wars like adventure, you know, space opera of Guardians of the Galaxy. Your thing might be the fantasy, you know, Thor and the and the ice uh, giants and all that stuff. Or you might like, you know, we happen to love the espionage thriller that Winter Soldier was, you know. So it really, when you look at people's list of how they rank or what their favorite Marvel movies are, you can really see the differences then. You know, it's easy to bottleneck them in and say, ah, it's all guys in a suit. Well, yeah, every, you know, not every, but most superhero movies are, are guys in suits. You know, that, sure. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what it is. And it's funny, we, you know, talking about rankings, uh, I, don't, I don't think we'll get to it for this episode, but maybe next episode, maybe we'll just kind of do, we'll, we'll take another Daredevil break again do some news and BS. Um, one of the things on Facebook I did was ask people to rank their movies because it just it came up uh, on, a, on another thread. I think it was our email thread. We were kind of kind of talking about that. So I put it out there on Facebook, um, and we had quite a bit of response. I think there were like 12 or 13 people that responded back with, you know, if not a full list of what their favorites were, you know, at least the, the top, you know, rankings of, of what they were. Um, so I think maybe next episode we'll obviously you know we, we won't have time to read them all because because there are quite a few and it's a long list um but we might pick a few out that were maybe surprising were things that we wouldn't have expected to be at the top of somebody's list to be at the top or at the bottom at the bottom um and go through those and uh yeah maybe like you said if we get a few more responses maybe i could do a do a little uh database spreadsheet magic on it and and kind of get a listener rank like you you mentioned out there um and i Maybe this is a good time to segue uh, into this. I will pick uh, a respondent and send them one of the Ant-Man posters they gave out with the uh, with the 3D screenings this weekend. So if you didn't get one, um, either if they were out or uh, uh, you know you just you, you know you didn't get to see it you know this past weekend or whatever, um, I'll pick one. And if you already have the poster, then let me know. I can pick somebody else. Um, but we'll we'll go over uh, that next weekend. So. Funny story about the poster. So we went to a 945 screening. We get there. It's not assigned seating, so we got there early. Uh, so we got there a little after 9 o'clock. Um, I go by where the person takes the ticket, and then the you know people just kept streaming in. I couldn't get her attention. When we went and saw Avengers Age of Ultron, the poster they gave out, they actually, as you were leaving the theater, they had a box of them, and the guy was, was handing them out. 
so I was like, well, I didn't see them around anywhere. They weren't handing any to anybody. So I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, they're in the, you know, the entryway to the theater. So we go in there, nothing. Come out of the theater, and it's at this point, it's like midnight because they showed like previews to every movie coming out in the next six years, yeah. I think, before, before this. Um, so it's like midnight. We walk out of the theater. There's no posters. There's no desk. There's no table, nothing. I cannot find a single person working in the theater, not behind the concession stands, not out front, nowhere. Um, so I don't know if they were all just like on break until everybody cleared out and they could clean up or whatever. So I'm like, well, the whole reason we came to this theater, you know, 30 minutes away was so I could get this freaking poster at this AMC theater. So I start looking around and some kid, I say kid, he's probably like 20, 25 years old. He's a kid. He's a kid. Uh, walking around with a poster. And so it was me and my son and my brother. See this kid walking around with the poster. I'm like, hey, where'd you get where'd you get the poster? And he's like, oh, uh, I got it earlier at the customer service desk. And I'm looking over there, and of course there's nobody there. And so the kid walks over with me, and he's like, yeah, they might have some laying around. He goes, he goes, see that box back there? He's like, that box is full of them. He's like, nice. why don't you just go? Why don't you just go take one? <laughs> and or seven. Now, yeah. Now, now the kid didn't work there, mind you. And I'm looking around, and I look at my son, and my son looks at me, and he's like, go for it. <laughs> So I opened up the little little door to get behind there, and there's literally a box full of these things. And I was like, at first, I was just like, oh, I'll grab one for me, one for my kid, one for one for my brother. And uh, they were kind of sticking together. I'm like, well, screw this. I'm not going to sit here and just pull all these out. So I just grabbed as many as kind of pulled in my fingers, uh, and I get home, and it turns out I had like six or seven of them. So, uh, so I've got definitely one for me, one for my son. Uh, I owe you a poster to, to be sent, Mr. M. So I'll nice. probably shove one in there for you. Uh, so I've got a couple extras that I could give out. So, uh, long story short, too late. Uh, I will pick somebody that responded to their top Marvel list and it's not too late if you're hearing this, uh, cause like I said, we'll do this next podcast and, uh, maybe I'll pick one or two people, uh, at random and, uh, you think you can send me your info and I'll, I'll get a little, uh, little tube and send you these posters if you want one. Very cool. Um, let's do the special cameo. Yes. So kudos, first off, to Mary Kirk, because I think she asked me way back or asked us way back when, do you think Falcon's going to show up in Ant-Man? And I'm like, nah. Yeah. How does how I, does that work? I was wrong. <laughs> I liked the way that uh, that it happened. Yes. Yes, yes. It was kind of funny that, you know, Hank's a little bit out of touch and had some old blueprints or I guess they weren't blueprints. I guess they were like satellite imagery of an abandoned in air quotes uh facility yeah and uh scott shows up and it is a current avengers facility (laughs) and uh the falcon is on duty did you uh so when he said oh stark has an old facility in upstate new york did you immediately think oh that's the new avengers uh base no Oh, that's funny, yeah, because that's the first thing I thought of. I was no, like, oh, I, I didn't. I'm not. I, I don't think that way. I, I Why would I think that? Is there? <laughs> is <laughs> do we know of an upstate Avengers base, or or is that just what you put together? No, no, no. Remember at, at the end of Age of Ultron when they go, it said upstate New York, new Avengers facility. Ah, see, that's the stuff I miss. Very good. No, I I had no I had no clue. Yeah, so it was kind of funny. So as soon as he said that. And then said, oh, yeah, he used to, you know, had this outdated facility or whatever. And I was I just kind of started laughing because I was like, oh, I see this coming. And sure enough, you know, when the when when they fly over <laughs> the big Avengers logo painted painted on this supposedly abandoned facility, that that was that was cool. Yeah, very cool. 
And I thought it was a good way to, you know, again, they're doing this heist movie. So there isn't like much combat or fighting for Ant-Man to do. It's a lot more stealth and sneaking, stealing, things like that. This was a good way to show what he can do physically. Yeah. You know, in a fist fight, in, you know, that he's much more dense when he's in the ant size and he can pack a punch. You know, he can also make himself big when you least expect it and deliver a shot to the jaw and then get real small again. And it is a superhero movie, so two good guys have to fight each other. Yes, there's always a misunderstanding. It's kind of like a Three's Company episode. Yes. Without uh, Don Knotts. Yes. Thankfully. And no, I have nothing against Don Knotts. Also, you know, the movie did a good job of that in a couple of spots. Like, they also showed us that Hope is badass in that really quick training scene. Yeah. You know, and by repeating over and over that she really wants to be the one to get in the suit. And it's only Hank that's afraid and holding her back because he doesn't want to lose her, you know, like he lost Janet. Right. But it's like... When when we I'm skipping to the end. When we saw the wasp suit at the end, you were like, "Yeah, you know, this is going to be badass because she can do it." Um, so I th- I thought they did a good job of that. Now back to the Falcon fight. You know, I thought this was a good way to sort of shoehorn in. Yeah, we can throw Ant Man in Civil War or Infinity War, and he's going to be okay. Yeah, and it, it just was cool. You know, we got to see the new Falcon suit. You know, which is. Not that much different than the old suit, but we kind of got a glimpse of it at the end of Age of Ultron. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, the the red accents. I I thought it was really cool to see the visor. You know, he's kind of got that visor and it gives him that, you know, sort of Tony Stark, uh, you know, HUD display on it, which I thought was really cool. So, again, it was it was I I just I was pleasantly surprised. I really was. I mean, it could have been. a cheap gimmick and they, they really did something cool. And then he shrinks down and starts tearing his suit apart and it messes up his, you know, the site. So he can't, you know, get a beat on him and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, I just, I was really, and I, I love Mackie as Falcon. I mean, you could put him in all the Marvel movies and I'd, you know, it'd be totally fine. He just has that, that charisma. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And it didn't come off forced and it wasn't like a total, oh, he shot this in one day, you know, he was on set for an hour, you know, it didn't feel like any of that. It was a good, solid scene. It had a little comedy. It had, you know, good action. And uh, it's a great connection, you know. It it just, it kept, it keeps Ant-Man's feet firmly planted in the rest of the MCU while this sort of one-off heist is is going on. Yeah, and it's funny because it's almost like the anti-Winter Soldier because... Remember in the Winter Soldier, they talk about having to break into this, you know, super secure facility and steal the suit, uh, and then we never see it. Like, we just see that they did it, and we know they did it. This one is all about, hey, I need to break in somewhere and steal something, and we're going to show you how they do it. Right. What did you think about Yellow Jacket? I thought the design was cool, but I just didn't care about him much. Like, I, I was, yeah. I would have been fine with really no villain to speak of just ant-man stealing whatever he had to steal for hank you know you know what i mean he could have been they could have been stealing something to keep the tech away from hydra and that would have been plenty you know without having 
yellow jacket even there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I really like the look of it, uh, you know, because that's another one in the comics. Uh, you know, it's just another alter ego of Hank Pym. Well, I mean, there's been multiple yellow jackets, but initially it was like an an alter ego of Hank Pym, uh, and it was just kind of a traditional suit. So I, I did like the way that, you know, kind of had those extra arms and it had the really cool, you know, eye holes that were, you know, glowing yellow and stuff like that. So I really like the design of it, but, but yeah, I kind of agree with you. It's just like, it, it's almost kind of like the Iron Man syndrome, right? It's like, okay, we got a guy in an iron suit, so he has to fight another guy in an iron suit that is a bigger iron suit, but yet the little guy still, you know, ends up winning. And, you know, this kind of same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to take the 30-year-old suit and have him fight the guy in the brand new suit with the cool lasers on it, and the guy in the old suit finds a way to win, you know. So in that respect, I, I could see where some people talk, you know, about things being repetitive. But, but yeah, I, I think it's just, you know... And, you know, big blockbuster movie. You got to have this this crazy you know battle at the end. I thought it was kind of cute the way they did it with you know the Thomas the Tank Engine. You know the the fight on the <laughs> on the on the toy train set, and then you know getting bigger when it crashes through the the house and stuff like that. I thought I thought I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I especially like when the train. You know, they make this big deal about oh no, the train's coming. It's gonna run over Ant Man, and then they show they they peel back and they just show the toy train like kind of falling over sideways when it hits yes. Ant Man. Like, how could it really? It's got no power behind it. There's nothing to worry yeah. about. You know, yeah. yeah. But that again, that was a scene that like my daughter was laughing straight through. Like when the train got big and when they were no, that's cool. and you know all the stuff that was going on in the girls' room that they made sort of silly while they fought, you know, that all went over really well with her. So yeah, they can't, it, it's good to hear that because I mean, you can't just make a movie that's going to apply to the, you know, to the comic nerds because, you know, while it'd be great for us, if nobody else goes to see it, then there won't be any more. So, right. And I mean, this is what we talk about with comics in general, you know, like the, and I won't go down this path too far, don't worry, but the the golden age of like people buying comics was the mid-80s, and we're 40 to 50 years old now, and soon we're going to yeah. die, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. and they have to find a way to, you know, keep this going for the kids to, you know, to, to keep buying their stuff. Yep. So this is, you know, I again, Guardians of the Galaxy and this, you know, big hits with my preteen girls which is a demographic that they'd probably like to have sure no absolutely absolutely but yeah it was just it was just good fun like i just i found i found this movie was just fun you know i can't say it's a better movie than like age of ultron but i found myself like i felt it was more fun like i you know i just felt like a little looser i felt you know just like i you know i definitely laughed a little more i i didn't you know there wasn't so much going on that i felt like you know, just like sensory overload kind of thing. It was, it's, it, it was a good first outing. I, I was, you know, I just, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It, there, there were no, you know, I didn't feel any slow parts. I didn't feel like it was dragging. Um, I got a bunch of laughs yeah. out of it. The action was good. They connected it with the universe. You know, I think we'll get to the, uh, the tag on scenes, which were probably two of my favorite of all the Marvel movies. I'd agree. Yeah. I think we touched a little bit on the first one already with uh, the reveal of the wasp suit, which looks really cool, I must say. Yeah, I really, just the multicolored nature of it, the the fact that, you know, when they showed wasp in the 
you know, in the flashback sequence, you know, where they stop the ICBM that gets launched, um, you know, she had the wings on the suit, which I thought was cool. So, you know, the fact that they, you know, they, they brought that into that character and it kind of has the more gold and red, you know, look, I, I just, I just really like the, the pattern that they played with on the, on the actual costume. You know what, before we go too far with the tag on scenes, we're, we we do not want to miss anything as we are known to do. Uh, the microverse big, yes, big, the real microverse. So, uh, Scott has to shrink down even smaller to fit where he needs to go. And the same thing that Hank warned him about that Janet had to do way back when, basically, I guess you keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking until you're in what sounds like a different dimension. Uh, they call it the yeah. not. They didn't call it the microverse. They called it what realm did they call it? The quantum. Yes, the quantum realm. Yes, she enters yes, yes. the quantum realm, and now Scott Lang enters the quantum realm. And supposedly, there's an Easter egg in the quantum realm as he's floating around. I didn't catch anything. I didn't either. Sounds like it could be a thing or a who. So I don't know if we get a glimpse of Janet floating around in the quantum realm. My my first theory is that uh, this is going to be Doctor Strange's realm. Uh, this is how they're going to tie it together. What is it called in the comics where Doctor Strange goes for his... Well, he does like astral... He goes to the astral plane, but that's more just like a psychic projection of himself, but... I mean, he's always going to some crazy dimension or, you know, some other realm or something like that. I, I, I think it's been numerous. I think they purposely went away from microverse so that the, the emphasis isn't on that this is where everything is really small. It's that yeah. this is where you enter a different realm. So now anything can be in this other realm. It doesn't have to be stuff that's really tiny or, <laughs> you know... Right. Um, anything of that nature. So it's it's interesting, and you know Scott figured a way to get out of it, which I thought was pretty cool. The disc that, cool but convenient, you know, the little disc that he could throw to make something bigger. He was able to load that into his regulator, I guess, right, or into his belt yeah. that was connected to his regulator. Yeah, a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina, but you know, it it worked. I think the Mystic Realm might be the regular name for the Doctor Strange place. Could be. Um, something like that. Doesn't matter. But it, it would. I cannot wait, you know, to catch this now on Blu-ray and oh, yeah. hunt down that Quantum Realm Easter egg, along with apparently there's Easter eggs in Hank Pym's house. Yeah. That I did not, again, I, I didn't pick up on when it was happening. They certainly weren't in your face. Right. It, it's kind of hard. You know, it's funny. When you when you just see it once, I, I, I want to be focused on, like, making sure I don't miss a plot point or, you know, making sure I see the story and just kind of take it all in and just look at, like, performances and things like that. I tend not to focus so much on the extraneous, like all the, you know, stuff that's typical Easter egg-y kind of things. Uh, and then usually if I see it a second time, then I tend to do the opposite. I'd start looking around, you know, the screen at everything to see what I could catch. Uh, because I kind of get, I already know, like, okay, I know the story. I know what's going to happen. I, I know all that. Uh, I didn't get to see this twice. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'll get to see it twice or not. I mean, there's still a few more movies coming out between now and the end of the summer. It really just depends if my wife wants to go see it, then I'll see it again. Um, 
but if if not, I'll probably just wait till it comes out on Blu-ray just to see it again. Yeah, I don't um, typically go see anything twice. Brad has already seen Ant Man twice and wants to see it again. Yeah, so that's how much he likes it, which is very cool. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be like against seeing it again. I just don't tend to get to enough movies to repeat. You know. Yeah, for me, it's it's usually like a budget thing too. It's like okay, well, you know. I mean, the good thing is if I saw it again, my wife doesn't like 3D, so we could go, like, see it, you know, uh, like, I could knock off work a little early, we could catch a pre-6 o'clock show, you know, and then, you know, we're not seeing 3D and everything else, so it's a little cheaper, uh, so that's not too bad. But usually, like, for me, I don't usually see things more than once just because, you know, again, like like you, you only get so many trips to the theater, and I don't want to blow it by seeing something twice. I'll tell you what, though, we've another thing we've talked about in the past... Uh, they have to do something to get our butts in the theater, or we're just going to wait to get Blu-rays and catch it on our 50-inch televisions in our comfy chairs. Well, they brought the comfy chairs to the movie theaters <laughs> for, yes. for the most part. Um, I'm really enjoying you know, the reclining leather giant seats. Um, and beer. Yeah, we don't have that in New York. I don't know if it's a New York thing or if it's just... I, I don't have a theater that has. Uh... Yeah, there there is an Alamo Draft House that's in New York now, but it's like in the city. It's not, you know, it's it's not on the outskirts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this AMC that we were at, they had beer on tap, and I think it would have been cheaper for us to buy beer at a major league uh, or oh, wow. NFL sporting event, but uh, but they did have beer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was, yeah, we just was... went with the. Uh... Sombrero hat size popcorn and uh, <laughs> nice, you know, and a soda that's way too black. If you spill it, it would completely wash everything on the floor of the theater into the front row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so what? One other, one other thing, real quick though. With um, since we kind of we talked about uh, we talked about Janet. Did you see they purposely went out of their way to not show her face? Yes, yes. So now that you mention it, yeah. That that to me says we have we probably have plans for her whether or not it's it's in an Ant Man sequel have her come back or whether it's another Marvel movie or like you're saying maybe Doctor Strange you know it shows you know she shows up or something weird like that but uh, you know obviously they didn't want to have to cast someone that they maybe couldn't get down the road to recur so to me it was almost like it was almost like a, a like like a like an episode of Cheers or an episode of of uh, 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 Frasier, you know, where they, where you know, you never see Maris and you never see Vera. <laughs> right. Um, the, the whole idea of the character is, is funny to me. Like, why, why did, you know, they went with Hope instead of Janet, but they gave her Janet's haircut and she's going to be the wasp, but, you know, it's not black and gold. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like yeah. they do have other plans for janet van dyne but i don't know why they i guess maybe to keep it you know that janet was married to hank uh to hank and you know they went with the scott lang version of ant-man so you know that's another story why they did that you know i i'm not exactly sure why they went the way they did with the the lineage or yeah yeah it, it's kind of fun. oh one of the other things i, I want to mention so you know of course we got both credit scenes i'm i'm watching all the credits and, you know, they give their special thank yous. And most of them were, you know, artists and writers in the comics that have worked on uh, Ant-Man before. 
both uh, Hank Pym and Scott Lang. Uh, Robert Kirkman also got a special thank you as well, which he had a pretty storied 12-issue run uh, called The Irredeemable Ant-Man, but that was the Eric O'Grady uh, ex-Shield agent uh, Ant-Man and not you know, not Scott Lang or uh, or Hank Pym. I guess Hank Pym showed up in there, uh, but I, I thought that was interesting too that he got a special thank you. Yeah. And uh, again, before we get to the end, uh, the taxi driver is Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris. Who is credited, interestingly enough, as being the first Ant-Man, you know, in broadcast history. Yes, that's true. Yeah, if you think back to the Saturday Night Live skit, which you can definitely find on YouTube, uh, they do like a superhero parody. What is it like? It's like a party like the superheroes yes. are at a party, and I think Belushi's the Hulk, and somebody's yes. the Flash, yeah. and uh, Garrett Morris is Ant Man, and they're all making fun of his powers. Yes. So I think that's oh, that kind of attention to detail. Like, let's make sure we get the first Ant Man in here. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that's yeah. excellent, and not yeah. you know what percentage of the movie going audience right now knows that you know ten percent. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. So the final scene, I I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you because I think I have more. Que- I didn't pick up as much as you. I left wondering what the hell just happened. Uh, I I think I did as well, but uh, so so the the end tag, the final end tag uh, that we get is uh, the Winter Soldier. We see the Winter Soldier, and he looks. It, part of the problem is that scene was very dark. It went by quick. I was really taken aback because I didn't know it was coming. I really didn't think they were going to go down that road with this scene. Um, but it's the Winter Soldier kind of... I can't tell if he's handcuffed or his hand is like mashed between some kind of a press. Um, but anyway, he's he's been he's being detained. Um, you know, how, we don't know. Uh, and then plain clothes... Uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon comes up and then we see a plainclothes Steve Rogers that comes up and they said, well, this all would have been easier a week ago. So something has happened uh, where, you know, they can't really deal with him in the open. Um, And then somebody says something about, I think Falcon says, well, what, you know, do we, do we tell Stark? And he's, and Steve says, no, we can't, you know, we can't, we can't, tell tell tony and they they one thing i didn't catch was one of them said we can't rely on something i couldn't make out what they said i couldn't tell if he said the avengers or the others or um something like i couldn't i didn't make out what that was but i want to say it's a it's a group it's a name of a group of people that were used in the comics and i can't it's not a hero group. It's like uh, sort of a committee or a. Um, you keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. So I, and it's funny because I've tried to and I may be able to find it a little easier now because usually you know these things will you know it's like they're roaches on on YouTube. It's like you know they'll try and stomp them out, but people just keep posting them. I was really trying to find that scene to watch it again because I was you know just first I was kind of taken aback by it and then you know and then I was just like holy crap. Uh, so I'd really like to see it again. But one of the things I found out was this was actual footage from Captain America Civil War. Uh, apparently Kevin Feige saw the dailies of this scene and said, 
this would make a great tag scene for the for the end credits. So they were going to do something else more akin to uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like something silly um, that they would put at the end. But apparently when he saw the dailies, he said, no, this is what we need to use. So it'll be interesting to see if this exact scene is actually um, a part of Captain America Civil War or um, if if they don't use this exact scene, but we, we see we see what it is. But but. You know, Cap says, "Well, you know, we don't. We need somebody we could trust." And then, you know, Sam says, "I I know a guy." Which obviously, given the way that Ant Man ended and him kind of being brought into the fold, uh, that's that's the guy I'm sure Sam Wilson is talking about. Yeah, it, it's not a group of people, um, but this is this is how a, a website uh, has it playing out. It says, uh, "Should I call Stark?" Falcon asks. Uh, no, Cap replies, "Because of the Accords." We're on our own. Ah, okay. Um, so the Accords sounds like the laws that have been put in place. Probably the Registration Act has happened a week ago, which is what he mentions earlier. Right. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Right. We're on our own, but then the Falcon says, I know a guy. Yeah. And Ant-Man will return. Yes. Yeah, that was cool to have that put in there uh, at the very end. I think, and I've seen this on the net, so I can't claim it as being original, but I think that one of the reasons they can't go to Tony is because I think it comes out that the Winter Soldier is the one that killed Howard and Maria Stark. Yeah, that would be excellent. I've heard you say that before, and that would be really cool. And I think that causes a huge bit of tension because obviously he was not under his own control. It's Captain America's best friend that, you know, from... You know that that he feels guilt over for what happened to him personally, um, but yet I could see that being a, po- a you know bone of contention between Stephen and Tony is is this whole Winter Soldier thing. And and they're obviously afraid that Bucky is still under some kind of you know mental control because they are restraining right. him. Yeah. So then I was thinking like, how would they, with no help? from Stark and the rest of the Avengers, you know, break him of the uh, the mind control. And the first thing that came to my mind was Scarlet Witch. Mm. You know, that she'd be able to manipulate what was going on upstairs. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But just something, again, that would be cool if she was on their side and was able to break Bucky of the programming. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that they wouldn't go to... When they talk about people they need to bring in, they wouldn't bring Natasha in. They wouldn't, you know, because she's kind of like Cap's right hand, right hand woman, so to speak. Right. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm uh, again, it kind of has me really, really looking forward to Civil War. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped for that because of how good Winter Soldier was. But at the same time, every time I start thinking of all the characters they're having in this movie and how ambitious it seems, it has me, it has me a little. Uh, apprehensive because sometimes uh, when you know I, I think we got a little bit of that of Age of Ultron I think the hype was so big and the expectations were so high uh, and the story seemed so grand that it I hate to say fell short because that makes it sound like it, it was not as good of a movie as as it was but uh, but it just concerns me whenever they try something you know so ambitious but I'm I'm really really looking forward to it yeah and I mean once again you know, Ant-Man could have been the stumbling block and it it wasn't, you know? I mean, we're looking at a list now of 12 movies and 
the worst one being the Hulk, which was what their second movie, and it's not yeah. bad, you know. Right. The, the movies probably range for me from like a nine at the nine point five at the top to the bottom being like a seven, seven and a half. Yeah, but yeah, for me, I, I won't do the rankings and stuff now. But I, I really enjoyed it. For me, it's like dead middle. You know, I probably like four or five Marvel movies a little better. Just again, mostly because of my preference. You know, I tend to like the darker, more serious takes better. But uh, definitely, like, in the middle, maybe even upper half for this one. You know, I, I, I liked it as much as many Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm there with you. I think mine maybe will fall a little bit lower. But, but in general, you know, right there, right there in the middle. Excellent. Yeah. So now, after... Two Marvel movies within a, what, month period? Uh, Two month. Now we have to wait, what, a year and a half? What we, <laughs> <laughs> we have to wait ten months. Ten months until yeah. Civil War. Yeah. May. Beginning of May. We'll have plenty of TV to keep us busy. Plenty of TV. We'll have Star Wars uh, to keep us busy in the winter. And a new Bond movie in the winter. So we'll be we'll be nice and cozy over the over the winter time for sure. Yeah, and there's still no telling like when what this Netflix schedule is like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing we know for sure is that we'll get Jessica Jones before the end of the year. But other than that, yeah, that's about it. I mean, of course, Agents of Shield coming back for season three, but yeah, other than that, into 2016, it's hard to say what the Netflix slate is going to look like. Good times. Indeed. So, unless you have anything else for Ant Man, no, no, I, I, no, that's that's it. Like I said, uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I think my expectations were not like super low, but I think they were, you know, I, I tempered them, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty well, and I think it it exceeded my expectations, which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the theme for me. It exceeded expectations, overcame some early problems and uh it's gonna it's going to do fine uh ant-man may just now be a team player in other people's movies you know i don't know that they're going to shoehorn a sequel in like they did for guardians you know but uh either way it's all good stuff yep so we'll be back um in a week or so most likely we'll do some news and catch up and uh you know we're going to continue our daredevil coverage into the fall when we'll be back for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again, of course. Uh, please remember to check out mcuexchange.com for our uh, show article and all the other great articles and commentary they have going on over there. Uh, hhwlod.com as well for our podcast network and uh, bevy of... Uh, is bevy a word? A bevy. Yeah, I think it's bevy a word. word. Yeah, bevy of other shows, um, some comic book related, some superhero related, DC TV, Walking Dead... It's all there at hhwlod.com. Of course, we have the Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, they're all linked in our mcuexchange.com article for this show. And, uh, of course, you know iTunes reviews, please. We're doing a push. We're doing some contests for that as well. Uh, there's always the Patreon if you'd like to give a little value. If you get any value out of the show, you'd like to give a little value back, you can send a few pennies over at Patreon. 
It's uh, patreon.com slash it's all connected. Is that right? That's right. That sounds right. And uh, you can help us out that way as well. So until next time, thanks a lot and take care.